Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through, the, through his Holy Spirit in your, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may fill with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generation, generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is, this is the word of the Lord. Almighty Father, we want to know you. We want to know you in Jesus Christ. That is not something we can achieve. It is a gift we must, we must receive. And it's so hard to know how to relate to that. Because how do we pursue something that must be received as a gift? And I suppose that drives us to prayer. So will you give that which you want to see in us? Will you give us the capacity to receive Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit? And I know that even as I say those words, so many of us don't even have a clue what that means. And even as I say those words, it is one thing to be able to technically describe what some of those realities mean, but it is another thing to taste those realities themselves. And it is our desire to taste those realities themselves. We want to know you. So make yourself known to us and do whatever is required. Close the door on every alternative until we are face to face with you and known by you. And use the word now to get that done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody. So um, as I was saying before, we were supposed to have a guest preacher this, this morning. And um, we're going to have him on a different week. But what that means, friends, is that uh, you and I get to look at the Bible together, okay? And um, what I'm going to do is this. I'd love, if you have a Bible... Um, we're going to, it would be really helpful if you would turn to Ephesians chapter three, uh, beginning at verse 14. So it's the passage that um, uh, Caleb just read for us a couple minutes ago, but it's not in the service sheet. So we're, we're th throwing a curveball, um, and you have to actually get out the real Bible, um, which is a good thing. So if you don't have one, then, you know, just uh, follow along as best you can. I'll try to make it straightforward. Um, I come to this passage uh, for this reason. Uh, I, so, some of you, if you get the weekly email, I said this on the, on the uh, video earlier this week. I sent out a video uh, instead of a normal letter. But one of the, there are two questions that are, that are up for me right now. Uh, the first is this, Jesus, what are you doing? What are you doing in this weird time? What do you want to accomplish in us? And then the second question is, uh, how do we consent to that more fully? 
Now, part of why I'm asking that question, Jesus, what do you want to accomplish in us? Is that in this weird season, there's there's just so many things that can distract us and trouble us. Am I wrong? So um, there are there are uh, there's we've been through this a thousand times. There's the health aspect. There's the economic aspect. There's the fact that everybody's at home. There's the uh, relational uh, disconnection. Uh, there's there's all these uh, there's all these dynamics that are that demand our attention, and yet very often we can feel kind of powerless and exactly how to relate to them. And it's hard right now to navigate a wise path through this season. And that's true for us individually. It's true of us as a church. And therefore, I'm asking this question, Jesus, what do you want to accomplish in this? If you were a na- if you were the navigator, if you were the captain on this boat called Emmanuel Church and every one of our lives, which is what we hope is the case, if you are the captain, how- what would be the coordinates? What is the uh, the orientation of this boat? Where are you taking us? Where's you know North Star? I don't know. I don't know anything about boats, so I'm I'm really out of my depth by those imagery. But do you do you kind of catch what is the main uh, trajectory that Jesus wants us on that cuts through all the clutter that we're facing right now? Now, lots of ways to answer that question biblically, but this reading is really a place I go to all the time to uh, understand God's agenda. Whatever the circumstances of our life may be, God's agenda is gonna be something in some way wrapped up in this prayer from Paul. I'm gonna read it again. This is the Apostle Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. And he prays this. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And I ask that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, that's a prayer that... um, for some of us, it's going to be uh, somewhat familiar, and if and if you know it well, it'll spark something. And if you're if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, it will probably spark something that fills you with joy. This is a beautiful prayer. For others of us, that's going to be uh, somewhat familiar, and if and if you know it well, it'll spark something. And if you're if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, it will probably spark something that 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 makes you that fills you with joy. This is a beautiful prayer. For others of us that perhaps are not familiar with the prayer, it, it, it may be just a jumble of words that's really hard to uh, parse out. But let me try to summarize it in a way that is completely different than the words that Paul uses. If you read from one, one bit of the Bible to the other, if you read the whole of the Bible, one truth comes very, very clear, and it's this. God's best gift to us is always himself. Now, what I mean by that is this. God gives us many gifts. God gives us life. Breathe right now. Everybody breathe. Okay. If God really is the creator, if God really is the sustainer every of the universe, then the fact that you just took a breath is a gift, right? And it's something you can give thanks for. Um, and God gives many, many other gifts. Life, um, ongoing 
uh, breath. Um, he gives family. He gives a uh, career. He gives um, uh, the environment around us. He gives friendships. Um, he gives many, many gifts. And very often our relationship with God is, Lord, I want more of these wonderful gifts. Maybe when we're at our, at our, at our best, we're giving thanks for these many gifts. Um, when we're asking God for things, we're saying, God, will you give me more of these good gifts? Um, bless my family, bless my career, bless my, you know, whatever it might be. But Underneath all of those gifts that God gives us is a more fundamental gift that he wants to give us. In fact, all of those gifts that God gives us, relationships and career and so forth, they're all meant to kind of point us to a deeper gift. And the deeper gift that God wants to give us is himself. He wants to bring us into an intimate relationship with himself where we are face to face with God where our relationship with God and a bond of love with him is the central animating reality. And it's the central animating reality that gives life to all those other gifts. And one of the most, um, one of the easiest ways to, to uh, get life and a relationship with God all backwards is for us to grasp onto these secondary gifts, career, family, relationship, health, grasp onto these things and say, ah, if I've got this, then everything else is fine. If we do that and we end up missing receiving God himself and living in an animated relationship with God himself, then our life will be uh, profoundly empty and all of those gifts that we grab onto will eventually disintegrate and fall apart and we'll, we will be left with a profound kind of emptiness or maybe thirst. In this prayer... What Paul is praying is he's saying, I want, oh God, that you would give yourself to the church at Ephesus. For us, I want, we want, oh God, that you would give yourself a close, intimate relationship with you. Give yourself to Emmanuel. And I believe that in this season of weird COVID and all of the dynamics that we're experiencing right now, for many of us, all of uh, uh uh, we're experiencing profound emotional distress, or just profound sadness, grief, pain, um, uh, uh, a lack of motivation, um, anxiety, whatever we're experiencing. The Lord is causing us and directing us and kind of closing off all the alternatives, all the things in life that we can trust in besides him. And he's driving us to a place where we have to come face to face with him. And for some of us, we're coming face to face with God for the first time. For some of us, we, you know, we, we haven't had a real animating relationship with Jesus Christ up until this point. And, and so for you, what God's doing, I believe, is that God is, so to speak, driving you or closing all the alternatives until you are face-to-face -face with Jesus because he wants to give you a gift that is bigger than your capacity to desire it. And then for others of us who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, um, nevertheless, the Lord is doing much the same thing. Not so that you'll come into a relationship with Jesus for the first time because that's happened previously, but rather so that you can be renewed moment by moment and breath by breath and and leave this season it, uh, experiencing and enjoying an intimacy with Jesus that you've never experienced before at a level and in a depth that you've never experienced before. So let me go back through 
and explain some of how, describe a little bit about how God gives us himself. One of the things you'll see in this uh, reading is that God gives us himself and the the whole doctrine of the Trinity is involved here. The Father is giving us something. The Spirit is giving us something. And Jesus Christ is giving us something. It begins with the Father. It says, uh, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory. Think about that image, the riches of his glory. What does that mean? Well, think about this. Uh, imagine God as a father, as a wealthy father. Um, isn't it, you know, we all want a wealthy uncle, right? That we find that we inherited a, a trillion dollars or something like that. I don't know. Um Imagine God as a wealthy father with a, with, a, with a glorious bank account, a glorious vault full of treasure. And you know that that treasure, that, that's God's treasure, man. That is what matters most to God. That is God's most valuable possessions in that vault. And you know that there's a big lock on that vault. You could never gain access to that vault. And you know, you wouldn't even think about it because you know that you do not deserve access to that great vault where God's, where it's full of treasure that are the things that God values most. Well, what Paul is praying here is with the boldness of, a, of an adopted son, he says, Father, will you open up that vault? Will you open up the vault of the, your treasure, the, the wealth that matters most to you, oh God, that which you value most, will you open up that vault? And will you begin giving the church at Ephesus for us the church at Emmanuel, every single person on this call, will you begin giving away from that treasure? What this prayer is doing is this prayer, Paul is saying, will, God wants to open up this vault, invite you in and give you a share, a part ownership in what God values most. Now that strikes me as a remarkable thing. I hope it does you, but it begs the question, what is it? that the Father wants to give us. What is it that the Father values most? Well, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his, in your inner being, through his Holy Spirit. Um, God the Father, all through the scripture, is valuing and treasuring his son, Jesus Christ. God the Father and Jesus Christ, I could show you this in a bunch of places, but I don't have time are bound together in mutual love. So if you ask the Father, Father, God the Father, what do you value most? He'd say, my son. And if you ask the Son, Jesus Christ, what do you value most? He'd say, my Father. And the, the one who binds, this is going to sound weird, the one who binds the Father and the Son together in that precious intimacy is the Holy Spirit. Now in this prayer, the vault opens up, and if you were to enter into the vault, you would find not bars of gold and packs of bills, but what you would find is Jesus Christ. And you would find that the Holy Spirit wants to uh, knit your soul together with Jesus Christ so that your soul, your heart, and your mind is united in a love with Jesus so that you receive Jesus's love, so that then as you receive Jesus's love, your heart is so activated and empowered to love Jesus back. 
And it's a love that's very hard for us to understand because it's more intense, more powerful, deeper, longer lasting, more free than any kind of love that we've ever experienced before. And yet all your life, all your life, every one of us, were we were made for this love. And therefore, if I could use this image, we're all deeply, deeply thirsty for this love. And the, when, when we grasp onto God's other good gifts that aren't God, when we grasp onto those things, what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, uh, hey, career, family, relationships, friendships, <laughs> moving to New York so that my life is going to be amazing. All of these things, we grasp onto these things and we say, we, we'll, I want these things to quench my deep thirst. The problem is none of them all ever do because they're not designed to quench your deep thirst. They're designed to show you how much you need for your thirst to be quenched in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So God the Father wants to bring you into an animating relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not something that we can achieve. It's something that must be given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God is drawing every one of us into this deeper relationship with Christ. So whatever you're experiencing right now, whatever disorienting experience that's going on, for some of us, we're, we're struggling with the fact that it's been forever since we had communion as a church together. And if that's you, that is worth grieving. It's painful. But nevertheless, in that experience of something that's kind of cut off from us or not available to us in the normal way, Jesus is nevertheless, God the Father wants to give us a deeper union with Jesus in this season. And so that sense of thirst and desire is God's gift to draw you closer to Christ. For some of us, we're just investigating whether or not Jesus is even a good idea. But somehow right now we're more, you find yourself more open to the question, is Jesus a good idea than you were just a couple of weeks ago or a few months ago. And if that's you, then if I could be so bold as to say, ask the question, is this thirst or this desire or this interest that you're experiencing, could this be God the Father through his spirit increasing your thirst for something bigger than you, something bigger than anything, any other gift in this world? He's increasing a thirst for himself, for Jesus Christ. And if, that, if that's right, I believe it is, then what you need to do is give your consent to it. That's what all of us need to do. Give your consent to this thirst and allow this thirst to drive you to Jesus Christ. You can't work up a relationship with Jesus, but you can't ask for it. You can say, Jesus, I am thirsty for a living relationship with you. Will you give me the water that deeply satisfies? Will you grant that the Father opens up the vault, pours out his Holy Spirit, upon me so that I find myself trusting Jesus and being brought into an intimate and animating relationship with him. Can you do that? Let me close by uh, reading just a little bit from a book. It's one of the Chronicles of Narnia. It's called The Silver Chair. And in it, um, if you know the Chronicles of Narnia, the lion Aslan represents Jesus. And there's this girl called Jill, and she finds herself in the wilderness, and she's super, super thirsty. But the only place that she can drink is right in front 
of a very frightening lion who's Aslan, but she doesn't know Aslan yet. And she, so she's sitting in front of a river with, with the lion on the other side. And she doesn't want to come near because she's frightened by the lion. Are you not thirsty? Said the lion to Jill. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I, could I, would you mind going away while I do? Said Jill. The lion answered only by a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at this motionless bulk of a lion, she realized that she might as well have asked for the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic with thirst. Will you promise not to do anything to me if I come? Said Jill. I make no such promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had come a step nearer to the water. Do you eat girls? She said. I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say this as if it were boasting, nor even as if it were sorry, but just, nor as if it were angry. It just said it. I dare not come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. It never occurred to Jill to disbelieve the lion. No one who had seen his stern face could do that. And her mind suddenly made itself up. It was the worst thing she had ever had to do, but she went forward to the stream. She knelt down at the stream and she began to scoop up water in her hand. It was the coldest, most refreshing water she had ever tasted. You didn't need to drink much of it for it quenched your thirst at once. Jesus Christ in this season is standing in front of you there is water that he is offering you. It is the only water that will ever quench your thirst. The Father has opened up his treasury. He is pouring out his spirit upon you, drawing you to Christ, increasing your thirst. And Jesus stands before you saying, come to me all who are thirsty and I will give you drink. Will you? Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com slash give.